Podcast Studios. This is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Good morning, everyone. It is Friday morning. What do you want to do today? It is Friday. Friday, 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 Friday. I want to go back to sleep. You want to go back to sleep? Yes. But I can't. I have to get ready for work. But after work, I'm going to party. Party. Because it's the weekend. You know what they say. Everybody's been working so hard for the weekend. My fires. We're going to find some coffee. Hey, sooner you find it, sooner we can get on with the show. Showtime. And happy motherfucking Friday! Happy Friday, friends. Welcome to it. Scott and Kat, Dave Lazard joins us, and I have nine different things that we got to cover in this episode of After Nine. Ooh, let's get cracking then. Harry and Meghan are officially persona non grata at Buckingham Palace. You want to explain this one, Kat? Sure. So I think most people know that uh, Meghan and Harry kind of stepped away from royal duties. It seems as though this is happening in phases, basically. But the latest is Buckingham Palace released a statement saying that they confirmed with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex that they're not returning as working members of the royal family. So basically what this means is, um, it's nothing shocking, but they're going to be stripped of their responsibilities officially. So all the military appointments, for example, uh, are going to be taken uh, from Harry, etc., etc. They say that they're still much-loved members of the royal family. They went out of their way to say that because, I don't know, all you have to do is pick up a tabloid and you'll see the opposite of that. And directly following it, which lets us know that they knew in advance. The Sussexes released a statement of their own claiming they don't need titles to live a life of public service because kind of this press release hinted at that. Like, it's, it's, they're, they're, do, they're stripped of their duties. They don't need to worry about doing all these things. But really, they want to do things like this. They just don't want to live under their rules, basically. So they plan to continue on with their life of public service. They could have summed up their response with, we don't care. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they chose to do it much much nicer, of course. Well, you know, being feel- a prince is a is a real pain in the ass. <laughs> what a title to carry! I know I- it, it it does so seem like you're kind of you're you're stuck to certain things. I mean, they couldn't do all the things that they're doing now. I mean, they have deals with streaming services. They want yeah. she wants to do documentaries. He wants to do documentaries. They want to go here and there without all these restraints and the certain the bodyguards that come with it and all the people. So I say all the power to them. He wasn't going to get th- thrown ever. So what does he care? If if I was born into that and I didn't want to be a part of that, it would probably be tough. And I commend them for doing it because. I don't think it's going to be easy. People talk shit about them all day over there because of it. So, eh, good for them. Whatever. I feel like if given the chance and she knew she would get away with it, Queen Elizabeth would probably shank Meghan Markle if she had the chance. (laughs) Oh, you think so? She fucking hates her. (laughs) Everything was going great with the royals. She had her adorable little grandchildren, William and Harry. And then in comes Meghan and all of a sudden Harry's gone and he's having kids and grandma doesn't even get to see the kids. And it's just the perfect recipe for disaster. Take the monarchy out of it and just consider this like a regular family. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. You've got your little grandson and, and his mom died when he was young. So you've been the female matriarch basically for him for many years. Then he meets some broad, takes off to another country, they have kids, and you never even get to see the grandkids, let alone talk to your grandson. The fuck is that? She's so, probably pissed. So you don't think she's sitting down for uh, for Thanksgiving Zooms with no, the family? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> there, there's a couple of adjectives no. and she was, that the I queen mean, uses how old to is describe the, her. How old is the queen now? Uh, she, old, 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 old. Mm-hmm. So this has been her life for that long. For like a century. So for her, she's so deep into this. This is her life. She is the queen. She's been the queen for so long. So you could see from her, I mean, nobody could really understand from her perspective, but you feel like this is, this is her entire world. And for someone to say, nah, I want no part of this. It probably is a a, a stab in the heart a little bit. I think there is some truth to a lot of the rumors in the tabloids. I wonder where, you know, William and Harry stand, because I really don't think that they're good. I think it's a fractured relationship there. Absolutely. I think all four of them. So I'm curious when William comes into power, which will probably happen uh, when Queen Elizabeth dies, it'll probably go right to him, likely. I'm curious what's going to happen there. The Queen is 94. 94. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean... That's a long time to live that kind of life. So for someone to say they want out of it is probably shocking to them. William was born and bred to be king. There was a reason that Princess Diana and Prince Charles had a kid. And as soon as it was a boy, they knew it's the future king of England, king of Canada, king of the entire monarchy. He's going to be king someday. He's never known anything other than being groomed to be the king of England. Harry never had a fucking chance. So I imagine 
when Harry told William, yeah, I think I'm going to move to the States and lead more of a Hollywood lifestyle with my actress wife and have some kids and all that sort of shit. I don't want to do any of this royal stuff. He probably took that personally because that's all he's ever known to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's no- like, you know what? It's kind of like stepping out of the family business, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, yes. thinking about it, you, you got you, you, both your parents are teachers and you, your grandparents were teachers. And then you say, I don't want to be a teacher. They might be yep. like, that is, what the what an awful thing to say. Like, what a disgraceful thing to say to the family legacy. And wh- how much of it is is your responsibility to keep the family, uh, I don't know, tradition going? Mm. Or is there any of that? It Should there be any of it? always bothered me when parents will push that kind of thing on their kids even when they don't want to. And it starts with schooling, right? Like, you must go to this program because you should be this. This is what you're going to be. And and respect me because I'm going to help pay for it. And this is push your life in this direction is what I'm going to do. Encouraging your kids to do what they want to do should be – and as as long as they're they're happy – that should be it for you. That should be your number one priority, not, well, this is the family bakery, and the family bakery's been open since your great-great-grandfather, and if you don't do it, who's going to do it? And guilt-tripping them into it. It's one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to, to, to parents because I've seen it happen with my friends who were pushed into programs or pushed a certain way, and today they're not doing any of that, and they have a kind of a fragile relationship with their parent because of it. Well, here's a great example. We have one talking to us right now scott has family in the radio business were you forced to go that route or did you did you just that's what you wanted to do all along no i never wanted to do this i was going to be a lawyer and i still might but I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I still might. Hey, it's yeah. never too late. Yeah. Well, radio is very secure these days. Oh, I yeah. find the job security is very good. <laughs> very, very good. Um, what do you mean? I haven't seen any stories about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was never put uh, pushed on me. But, okay, let's go back to William for a second. It was pushed on him, mm-hmm. and that's what he was born and bred to be. It was almost like they cooked him up in a fucking lab. Mm-hmm. You look like a king. You come from kings. You're going to be king. That's the way it is. Now, the way it's set up now is if William ever decided he wanted to pull a Harry and say, eh, I don't really want to do this shit, even though I'm going to be king, I don't want to do it. We would have a legitimate worldwide constitutional crisis. All of the Commonwealth countries would be in a crisis because there's no apparent heir to the throne after Charles. When it's Harry, nobody gives a fuck. It's just sort of like he's the annoying little uh, renegade kid that, that I don't know, uh, Everybody else is all prim and proper, and he goes his own way. Is the so, firstborn son the one that's usually the the one to carry on the, the lineage? Yes. It's the firstborn so, and not, not necessarily son. Oh, yeah, right. First Sorry. Born. Yeah, yeah. But in this particular case, it being being yes. a son. So, so Harry's the guy who's like, well, I don't have anything really lined up for me, so I'm going to go carve my own path. That's it. Cool. And I think as, as of right now, because of the births of all of the kids, uh, all of uh, the the of William and and Kate's children, I think he's bumped to what is it like fourth now? Yeah, fourth in line. Like it's not going to happen. Every nephew that comes along, you're one step further back. You're like, well, yeah, this is fun. Like you know, <laughs> it, it, unless a horrible disaster that you hope would never happen happens, what the fuck does it matter? Yeah. I don't know. That's how I see it. There's only one way that Harry would ever be king, and that's if William pulled out completely and took his kids out of the program too. That's yeah. the only way Harry yeah. could become king, and that won't happen. It's not going to fucking no, happen. No, they're playing. They're playing those rules by the book. He and Kate. They're just. They're doing it all to a. He wants to be King Willie. He yeah. for and I get it. Yeah. yeah, who doesn't? King Bill. I want my face on bills and shit like that. Yeah. yeah. Put me on the twenty. Commemorate me, bitch. <laughs> oh, speaking of uh, putting money on bills, today is the twenty-fifth anniversary of the Toonie coming to Canada. Our little polar bear money here in Canada. So I'll ask you. Uh, any memories from that time when the Toonie first arrived for you yeah. guys? Nothing has changed. We say this <laughs> all the time in the podcast. No, it's true. Nothing fucking changed. Nothing really we- happened there, yeah. But we've been saying this a lot lately. People in this country are so opposed to anything they're not used to. Any little change whatsoever, and people go squirrely. In this case, literally change. Um, I remember people going on about... Another coin? I can't carry another coin. How dare you suggest I carry another coin? And then there was businesses like, where am I going to put it in the cash register? Another <laughs> coin? You son of a bitch. How do you expect me to change my entire business model? Like, I love that nuts. that was a big argument. Because yeah. look at today. How many coins do you have on you? Everybody? 
Who cares? Yeah, cash. Nobody's carrying CD cash anymore. Nobody. It was a non-argument. I haven't had a coin in my pocket since, what, 2016? Exactly. Like, it wasn't even that many years later that most of us carried plastic, and that was that. We yeah. had our cards. Yeah. And, and yes, of course, the toonie is still there and relevant and great and fine. And I remember the whole push that these are not... Uh, they're not good coins because the middle can pop out. And, I remember and, that, yeah, too. People this. were putting them on train tracks and shit. Yeah. Do you remember that? Like, yeah. look. I'm like, well, who the fuck is running Tony Silver with trains? Yeah, well, <laughs> that kind of wasteful spending here. Like, what it's is the that? One the they didn't do with the mint. Fuck. Yeah, oh. right? Yeah, and I remember there was a uh, a kid in school that, that popped out the middle of it with a lighter. Like, just heated it up to the point where he could knock it out. And... We're all like, whoa, that's insane. And then there was kids make up rumors and, and bullshit stories. And this was a great one was, well, if the middle comes out, it's not worth anything anymore. <laughs> and that was, and I'm like, well, go and take your ring to the store and see if you get a dollar for it. Because that's what the kids would say. They would go, oh, it's actually only worth a dollar if you pop the middle part out. <laughs> like, oh, okay. it, doesn't, it doesn't split in half I to two loonies. It. I but love I mean, it. That's a perfect example of, and, and make it relevant to today. What are we flipping out? about today as far as change is concerned whatever hot topic it is Mm -hmm. people are opposed you'll get used to it and in the end you might even like it better you can't oppose change just because it's different people were flipping out about this fucking toonie 25 years ago today and it's completely normal now and in a lot of cases you wouldn't want to have a two dollar bill we didn't need a two dollar bill this is cut down on fraud and counterfeit and all sorts of shit yeah and now we don't even use paper money anymore and it lasts longer. Let's not forget one of the other reasons they did it is, is, is to actually cut costs of producing it because they'd have to reprint all of these bills all the time. These last, like, I think it's like 20 years or something. I don't know. If you're holding on to one from 96, good for you. It's well, the first one. Unless you have it in my what, grade five class and, and somebody, <laughs> somebody's burning holes in the middle of them. Yeah, try less. to pop out the middle. <laughs> well, at, at this point, we might as well take all those fucking toonies and melt them down and trade somebody for some vaccines or something like that. <laughs> Can we do that? You guys want a giant pot of silver? Just give us some needles and we're good. <laughs> the polar bear will take a hit. <laughs> By the way, a little fun fact. You flip it, put your finger on the bottom of the toonie. It looks like a Tyrannosaurus. Just, no just, way. Yeah. If okay. you got a toonie near you, go ahead and try okay. it. Have I think a look I might have it. one in my car. I'm going to try that on the way home. There you go. I guess that's the only place we keep change now, right? That's for it. coffee runs? Yeah. See, so you got a little. Not even. It's just for those donation boxes outside the drive-thru. Ah, like, oh, McDonald's go. is collecting for uh, Ronald McDonald House. All right, here's a fucking toonie. I here keep a go. few toonies in my car so every Remembrance Day I can buy a poppy. That's, <laughs> that's, that's basically the only reason I have it. That's, that's it. I've got Stop a, the old Remembrance Day coins. Yeah, there it is. They all found them. Let's throw go. a few toonies in that box. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I know that that it's a massive accomplishment and it's a source of national pride that that we landed another rover on Mars yesterday and you know I was watching it and it reminded me very much of when I was younger back in the 80s anytime a space shuttle went up it was a big thing and it was televised and there was press conferences and you always saw the picture of the president in the oval office monitoring the situation it was a source of pride anytime we went to space and then it became very routine and people stopped giving a shit but going to mars that's different and i was watching mission control yesterday in pasadena at the jet propulsion laboratory and they were all happy and fist bumping and cheering when that probe or rover landed on mars Touchdown confirmed. Perseverance safely on the surface of Mars, ready to begin seeking the sands of past life. At this point, the descent stage has flown away to a safe distance. Perseverance is continuing to transmit direct through Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter to Earth. I... I'm happy for them. Like when I hear when I hear that, I'm like, good for you, because you know there's a lot of hard work, obviously, that's involved. Like goes without saying. I think that you got a lot of brilliant minds in on this, and this is a trip that took a long time to even set up, let alone to launch, and then seven months to get there. It's going to take another seven months to come back once they collect what they got to collect. I'm happy for them. That's exciting. Sure. It's an amazing accomplishment. And there's Canadians that are part of that team that are monitoring that rover. So good on them. That's great. They're going to be searching for any evidence that there was life on Mars. But let me ask you this question. What if there is life on Mars and we just fucking crashed into somebody's backyard and we're having a big party that we did it? We're going to get slapped by, you know, yeah. by an alien at some point. Like Maybe the Martians are like, the fuck out of here. <laughs> Go back to your own planet. 
You, well, you fucked that one up pretty properly. You're not coming here. Get out. Follow me on this one, and, and you might need to have an edible before you hear this explanation. Um, oh, I, I like it. Right here, I like it already. But here we go. Okay. Uh, I was watching the show Cosmos, uh, and it was uh, the one that Neil deGrasse Tyson was hosting. This came mm-hmm. out a few years back. And he talked about, the si- first of all, the size of the universe and how massive it is. And the the thought that we're the only living things out here is is bananas. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just ridiculous, right? We're such a small, tiny little part of the galaxy that there's just, just no way there's nothing else out there. Um, but the way he explained things like our evolution really made me start thinking about alien life form and other things that are out there. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the evolution of our sight. And over the years, you know, the millions of years of evolution, you know, the first first. Um, um, living being that was able to see could only see sh- uh, like shades and it developed over time and then they could start to see a little more formed color the, uh, the eyes that we have now are the best formed eyes ever but that doesn't mean they're fully formed this doesn't mean this is as good as it gets it just means it's as good as we've got and it made me think because he, he made it he, <laughs> this still drives me crazy but he says stand in front of a mirror and think of all the things that are between the tip of your nose and the mirror that you can't see yeah are there but are there so why do we assume that we can see an alien life form why do we assume that our eyes are developed enough to see something that from somewhere else my mind i never even thought of that. right like we we're only developed to the stage we are now it, it doesn't mean that this is the the best it will ever be it just means it's the best we are right. at this point point. and so, if you go that far you could say hearing same thing but you can't absolutely hear it, absolutely hearing seeing smelling tasting all of our senses are only developed mm. so much at this point so that thing with the whole mirror. So you stand in front of the mirror, and and I, I find myself sometimes I'll like wave my hand, see the particles fly. Like, like, ah, I saw them. Ah, I can't like we can't see sound things like that. You know, it, it's just that sits in my head now, and I had to share it on the podcast now, so I'm not the only one feels crazy <laughs> with this. And and on that note of, I mean, we've talked about aliens before on the podcast from time to time, and that is the thing. Like people think alien, and they think green creature, yes, big little fingers, exactly. and all this thing, but. Absolutely. And we did find out last year, which got buried because of COVID, basically, and all the other shit happening in the world. But we did have some form of extraterrestrial life, if you want to call it that, approach the Earth on more than one occasion. And that was confirmed. They're not sure what it was, where it came from. And to think that there's not anything out there is absolutely ridiculous. Of course there is. Of it's, course there it's is. It's just maybe not in a form that, we, uh, that we've ever experienced or understand. And it's possible they know everything. Like, they have better technology than us, by the way, if they were seen in our atmosphere, at least. So you know that they have better technology because they were able to come here and maybe they're hearing what we're saying right now. And they they're have just going, 9K TV. Like, who, totally, totally. They're on 75G <laughs> yeah, networks is what right. they're on. You're worried about 5G yeah. and the government's controlling your mind. Well, they've got 75G. But I'm a full-on believer and and whether or not they know what's going on and they hear and they understand or they're in the midst of trying to translate what we're saying or seeing if we're a threat or not who can tell but they're there they're there this is going to sound like a funny uh thing coming from me but you know who's kind of responsible for the way we see that all hollywood yep Independence Day told us what the aliens look like aliens told us what the aliens look like all of that stuff so we, we have we have science fiction that has told us this is what it's like out there, but we've just bought it and, and like, oh, yeah, E.T.'s that's probably what an alien looks like. Yeah, it makes sense. Or yeah. somebody drew an alien head and goes, yeah, it's probably what it looks like. Why do we think the eyes, nose, and mouth are on the face of an alien? Yeah. Yeah. Why do we think that? Just because yeah. we were told that. Yeah, it's so very true. I, I would love to know. I hope that I, one of my hopes is that I can be here in this lifetime long enough to know some of those answers. Yeah. Just, to, just give me a little bit so I have an indication as okay. to what it is out there. Let's do a little real talk for a second. Oh, boy. Here we go. You, Dave, did not get that edible from the OCS. That's some next level <laughs> fucking high content no shit. No fucking way. Who's your guy the, and can I have his number? Who the fuck gave you that edible? <laughs> get me one, too. It did not come via Canada Post. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Uh, anyway, my point is, I mean, if there actually is life on Mars, and it's perfectly reasonable to assume that there is, we may have just crashed into somebody's fucking planet mm. completely uninvited. And you know what? A lot of people here wouldn't like it if the Martians just crashed some shit into uh, into Alberta or, or Saskatchewan. If I just sure. drove my car to your house and parked it on the front lawn, would you be happy? Nobody's going to 
fucking like that. And that's what we did to them. We did, yes. But if, if the intention is to come in peace, is there a way that the alien... We don't even know if there's a way that they would know that we're coming in peace. That's rich that you think we're a peaceful society. <laughs> we, Hang on, let me read you today's news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. And we still have... We already have plans to go there and we have all these plans to do things there. But, uh, I mean, they don't know that right now. It's the hubris of humans. <laughs> where we think that we, we, oh, we have every right to be there. Why not? Yeah. yeah it's like, uh, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. a good you chance. Yeah, good your chance. highest, uh, you know, whatever, what's our highest? Let's say it's the president. Let's say it is Joe Biden. That's the most powerful person. He gets fucking trumped every day by whatever life form is out there. Likely. Likely. So, yeah. Okay. Squish alien like comes bugs. down and goes, you sleep? Those <laughs> you're weak, you lazy fuckers. Weak, yeah. weak, weak. <laughs> we still have a lot of things to cover here, so we're going to speed up the uh, the segments here. Dave, I, I'm curious to get your opinion on this because uh, it's funny because a lot of people don't believe that I did a lot of country music radio. People may not know about you that you do a lot of rock radio, and the most hated bands of all time has now been scientifically calculated. Ooh, okay. A website used what they say is science and math to determine the most hated bands of all time. They created an algorithm based on things like most hated lists, message boards, articles, and they came up with a top or bottom list of rock bands. The most hated. One guess. Oh, I'm going to guess it just because it's the easy and popular one to go with is Nickelback. Nickelback is the yeah. most hated band in the world. And by the Do way, I don't with agree that? with that. No, you don't. Okay. I don't agree with that at all. I think it just became uh, a fun thing to do is to hate on Nickelback. Yep. Uh, everybody pile on. Yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, they might not be everybody's taste, but at the same time, let's 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 pull back a second here. And what is it you hate about them? Why is it you hate them? Mm-hmm. And based on what? And it usually probably comes from a place of people saying, well, everybody hates Nickelback, so I have to as well, <laughs> which, again, I don't think is fair. Cat actually really likes Nickelback and occasionally will find a way to play them on Top 40 Radio. And they always tweet and say thank you. They're actually really nice Dave's guys. Dave's the boss. Oh, trust don't me. Say that. Every time it gets played, I hear about it. Don't you worry. I'll bet you fucking do. Yeah. The second most hated band is Limp Biscuit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fuck Fred Durst. Fuck you, you why, know, why do people say that about Fred Durst? That 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 has always gone over my head because I always thought people love Limp Bizkit, but they don't. Okay, so it, it kind of goes in the same category as Chad Kruger from Nickelback. A lot of people just feel like he was just a greasy guy and was just sort of he seemed slimy. He seemed like a rat, uh, and that's what a lot of people thought of him. And the same kind of feeling came with Fred Durst from Limp Bizkit. Is, is he's just this like weird cornball kind of like he doesn't. He doesn't translate well in 2021. Basically, if you, okay. like, if you were to take him a little and his rednecky, yeah, a little bit, yeah. I mean, uh, it, backwards cap, baggy jeans, yeah. riding a skateboard, yeah. being an asshole, <laughs> being, being an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> now we should also add though this list, and and I can't wait to hear the others on it. So far though, these have been successful bands. Yes, oh, they yeah. have, and there's a little bit of great hate that right? comes that comes along with it too, where where a band it has some success. And you don't, you're not a fan of them and you can't understand why they have success. Right. I'll take uh, both of those examples I've seen in concert and they both put on a hell of a show. Mm-hmm. They do. Limp Biscuit yeah. was one of the like most active shows I've been to where I was like, holy shit. Like by the end of it, I was like shaking, like this is bananas. Like not even that I was just a massive fan. Just you get so in, in, involved in the show. Yeah. Kid Rock is another one, another perfect example. And I don't know if he's on the hated list because there's a lot of people that hate him too. Yeah, for um, lots of different reasons. For tons of different reasons. Yeah. But he's another one. He's just an, an, an incredible showman. Yeah. So when you watch these people in concert, you're just, you're completely, you buy into to okay. the whole show and, and the experience. You don't sit back with your arms crossed. Wow. It's pretty did, hard to do. When you saw Limp Biscuit in concert, did Christina Aguilera switch you chairs so you could hear Fred Durst and Carson Daly argue about who she gave head to first? I wish I could have been part of that conversation. <laughs> it didn't happen, though. What, Creed who? is number three. Creed. Oh, Creed is a... Yeah, Creed's one of those... Uh, yeah. There, but again, Scott Stapp is the, the lead singer of Creed, and, and I feel like if the lead singer has any kind of measurement on the douche meter, I guess, yes. making this up a douche meter. Yep. Uh, if he rates on the douche meter, then then the band takes a hit. Yeah. Because 
they're pretty good musicians. And the same thing can be said about the guys in Nickelback, the same thing about Limp Bizkit. Like, some pretty accomplished musicians play in those groups, and there's still just a lot of hate that comes right, along right, with right. it. But yeah, sure. Creed, I, I can see on that list for well, sure. Well, you can add number four to the list. It's U2. Yeah, yeah. U2 is a oh, polarizing fuck group. Bono. <laughs> fuck if you Bono. have an iPhone, you hate U2. You hate, hate U2. <laughs> when the new album shows up on your phone, you're, you're like, forcing it on you all the I time. I want my 1.2 gigs back, assholes. Yeah. Did you, 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 do you use iPhones? So I do now, but at that time you that it happened, I did oh. not. I was a Samsung user and I was grateful to be one. Yeah. But I remember when that happened. And I don't even know if we ever found out how, how innocent U2 was in that whole thing. Right. Or if it was an Apple push or if it was a U2 push or a combo. I think it was an Apple deal with U2. With U2. Yeah. But that's, see, that's another one. Bono is a polarizing character. A lot of people look at him and, and they have cringy feelings towards him. There's yeah. others who love him. Yeah. And, U2's another group in concert that is, will blow your mind. Mm-hmm. They're so good live. Number five is Mumford and Sons. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I yeah, like them too. a lot, actually. Really? I'm, a, I'm a big fan, and, and uh, it's, it's musical for me. It's, I, I'm very appreciative of the musicianship in that group. Okay. I'll run down the rest of the top ten quickly. You guys stop me if you want to weigh in. Uh, talking about the most hated rock bands of all time. I don't know if he's really a band. I thought he was a solo guy mainly, but Bob Dylan is number six. Mm-hmm. Seven is Fish. That's with a PH. Yeah. Eight is Radiohead. I fucking like Radiohead. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know what the problem one that is there. surprises me. I thought that people liked Radiohead. I wouldn't have suspected them to be on this list. Kiss is number nine. Mm. Okay, let's talk Kiss for a second then. Um, are they kind of overdone? Is that why? Because they're everywhere. Like people wear Kiss shirts that don't even fucking listen to Kiss. Do listen. you find that? Like they're everywhere. Kiss is Kiss is the Cirque du Soleil of rock. And they're they're a show. You go see them. Half the time, it's not even Gene Simmons. It's someone else playing. And, and, <laughs> and you, you never know. know. <laughs> you don't know. They're in makeup. Um, but I, I'll say I saw them at Casino Rama, and I saw them uh, at Cobo Hall in Detroit. And I watched their live stream of a show they did at Dodger Stadium. Three very different venues, three very different sizes of venues. It was the same show, same pyro, and everything. And if you've seen a show at Casino Rama, you know that pyro in that theater (laughs) is pretty intense. Because you're right up against the stage. Like, you're really close to that stage in any seat there. Totally. And Kiss is one of those things where, one of those bands that it's show before the music. And and yeah, you can't get it. You can't go to a Kiss show and not be completely enthralled by what's going on. Hmm. Okay, but people do that sometimes to cover up for the fact that it's not very good music. Uh, case in point, there's some artists who put nothing into their show and it's still an incredible show. I'll give you an example. I saw Phil Collins once, and Phil Collins came out in a fucking sweater, like a zip-up sweater and a hoodie. <laughs> he stood in the middle of the stage and sung for a fucking hour. And people were mesmerized mm-hmm. before he even said, hello, Toronto, welcome. And then they went nuts. Then he went behind the drums and just went crazy. And the crowd went wild. But there was no flashy light show, no yeah. crazy pyro. It was just him singing and people fucking loved it. Well, Kiss is one of those groups that, you know, we see it a lot in pop music where it's, you've, if you've got a, a good hook, you, you got people. Like yeah. if, if the hook of your song is enough that people can sing along with it, you sing along with the music at a Kiss show. You For do. Sure. You have the, you're just into it. A couple of drinks too, yeah. right? Go go a long way. Detroit Rock City comes on and you're like, yeah, this is. Yeah. I'm having a good time, and I think that that that's part and parcel of it. I, I've always I've always said that if I can appreciate a live act um, more so than like a studio performance, yeah. I'm appreciative of that group, and that's why I think like a group like Nickelback, Limp Bizkit that we talked about earlier, those they get the great hate because they are great performers. Mm-hmm. and the people can't wrap their brains around it. Number 10 is the Dave Matthews Band. Yes. Very polarizing. The same Very thing. Very polarizing. You're either into that style. Same thing with Fish, and same thing yeah. with the Grateful Dead. You're either into it or you're not. Number 11 is Coldplay. Okay. That's, there, again, it's a love or hate thing, right? You know what, though? Your eyes almost rolled out of your head I knew on that. that. Because I was waiting for you to say it. I was like, I was going to say at the end of it, I'm surprised Coldplay isn't there, but that here they are. <laughs> there they are. Yep. Here we are. <laughs> Number and, 11. And again, I think it's a, a, a Chris Martin. Do we like Chris Martin or not like Chris Martin? I don't know. But there's always these jokes about Coldplay. Always. Oh, you know how I know you're gay? You like Coldplay. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I like Coldplay. I do. 
Okay, that's gay. Obviously, I'm gay. I know, but it's uh, and another successful. These are these are a lot of them, and there are some more than others. Very successful bands, though. Mm-hmm. That's Number where the 12? term "great hate" comes from. Yeah. Number twelve is Green Day. Oh no! Don't agree with that at all. I don't agree with that at all. Oh, wait till I get to fourteen. Oh, you're going to lose your shit. Here we go. I know exactly who you're going to say too. Number thirteen is the Doors. Yeah, I have zero time for the Doors. Zero. I, I have That's no opinion a, on them. At honestly, all. Like, it's unless I get asked to do a shift on Q107, in which case I love. I the love the Doors. <laughs> yeah. That's a generational thing, I think, because I don't get the Doors either. Mm. I don't get them. I, I never, never appealed to me, but I get why people like them. Just not my thing. Uh, skip that one for a second. 15 is corn and 16 is Oasis. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Oasis is another band. Some people fucking love them. Some people hate them. Yeah. Even a lot of the like Brit, one, one song, those though, Brit groups are very polarizing over here though. Okay. Yeah. 14 is Metallica. I knew it would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite group. Yeah. That's my favorite Of band. all time. Yeah. Why do people hate on them? Uh, honest to God, I think it's a, it's a change in, it's an evolution thing. And, you know, after a certain album, oh, they became too commercial and they stopped. They're not a metal band anymore. They're this and rah, rah, rah. And, and, oh, they haven't made great music since Andrestus for All, blah, blah, blah. And it's that kind of attitude where it's like people don't evolve, so therefore they don't accept an evolution of a band. And, and it's weird because it's like if a band, in some mindsets, it's like if a band doesn't change what they do, they become corny. And if they change what they do, People are mad that they changed. Mm-hmm. The people got mad when Metallica cut their hair. People got mad when Metallica didn't have a guitar solo in a song. Mm-hmm. Where if you listen to their music evolutionally throughout the, their entire career, one album never sounds like the next. And, and that's been like that since the very beginning. So I, I hate that argument, but I hear it and I know why people make the argument. It's because, honestly, it's they, haven't, they haven't grown up. They haven't mm-hmm. evolved. I hear the same thing about people who complain about things like the Howard Stern Show. Oh, he's changed. Blah 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 blah. He doesn't. He doesn't have strippers in the studio anymore, and he doesn't. He doesn't make fun of handicapped people the same way. It's all that stuff, and it's like he's almost seventy. He's, yeah. I was just gonna say, if, if well, shit changes as you get older. Well, and I say this about all of us: if you are the same person at the age of forty-five that you were when you were twenty, then there's a problem there, uh-huh. and you need to do a little introspection. You're not wrong. Okay. So anyway, that's that's my take on that. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up. Let's have a quick conversation about that. And I'm probably going to scrap the rest of this because I know we're going long here. But evolution is one of those things that totally eludes certain people. You know, as all three of us used to work at a radio station that used to play a lot of old music. And, and I'm talking about uh, in Toronto and the Waybacks. And there are some people who have absolutely zero time for the newer music that comes out. They just want to hear the old stuff that they know. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I question, like, how can you continuously listen to music from the 90s and have zero interest in anything that comes out since then? Yeah. Why does that happen? I, I think that there's, there's, a, there's a feeling of nostalgia that comes along with it. There's this, this em, an embracement of the music because it's, it's yours. That was, when, that was my best time in life. That was when I was you know, peaking at, at every possible way. And those were, that's where I draw the memories. And it's all from that genre of music or that's, you know, I was going to clubs. I was doing this. I was going to concerts. Whatever kind of music you like, it, your, your definitive development years and the soundtrack to it is what you hold dear. Like I'll use Metallica as the example. I can go back and listen to the album that they put out in 1986 and you know, before I was listening to them, but I can, I can remember what I was doing when I was listening to that for the first time. I have those memories. So there is a, there is a, there's a feeling of ownership with, with that stuff. But when you stop, paying attention to everything else that's going on, that's when you start to develop the old curmudgeon attitude where it's like, oh, back in my day, that, we, knew, we knew how to make music. This stuff this, nowadays is shit. And it's like, well, no, it's just that people have evolved and there's a, there's a change in, in, you know, in, in the tone of things and the way people talk and the way and it's, evolution's got to happen and it happens in every form of art. Well, I mean, that's the thing with radio, right? In a lot of cases, radio and well, streaming services has sort of taken this over. But you almost have to force people to listen to new music or they will just continuously listen to whatever they liked last. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, again, it's all it's all well and good to celebrate that and, and to feel nostalgic. But sure, if you are no, going to be closed, wrong with it, no, but if you are going to be closed minded, then I think you, you kind of you almost take yourself out of the, the conversation when it comes to. Uh, relevancy, really, um, when it comes to, to f- honest opinion. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way music is made now is very different than the way music was made five years ago, 10 sure. years ago, 15, yeah. 20, 30, 40 years ago. Right. Um, but I can go back and listen to a, a Beatles record, for example, and be mesmerized by how they recorded. And I know full well that if Paul McCartney were to take the, the White Album from the Beatles and re-record it now, they would do it in a totally different way. Yeah. And I'm not sure that it would have the same impact. So taking the nostalgic side of it and going back and looking at that, you know, it, and, and, and keeping it, it basically at par with how you feel about the music, the way you feel mm-hmm. almost trumps whether the music was really great or not. Yeah. Uh, and it's all subjective. It's all opinion. But it is. It yeah. is our closed mindedness is, has, you know, it, it, it's been difficult to to embrace anything new when we when we're not willing to. I think it's a generational thing, too. I mean, you talk to someone who's older, they'll tell you what the best time was. And music is memory. You're absolutely right. So for them, it was like these artists this time the best, right? Some music from the seventies. That was it. That was all. And you talk to someone, you know, who's a a millennial and they'll tell you like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, like that time was the best music. R&B was hot, like all these things. And, and you're going to talk to people who are whatever in their twenties now, you know, 10 years from now, and they're going to tell you something different. So it always changes. And you're, you're, I do agree with you, Scott, that there are some people very stuck in it. But I don't know. I think it's, it, it is healthy to find a mix. But don't forget that we are three people that are heavily involved in music. It's kind of part of sure. our life. So for us, well, hearing new stuff and still reminiscing on the old stuff, this is the reason why I love when we do throwbacks because it, it is memory to me. When I hear those songs, I'm like, yeah. fucking right. I remember that time. That song was out. This was happening in my life. And it's a good memory. Triggers a good memory. Yeah. yeah. All three of us have a mutual friend who will listen to constant nonstop freestyle. Yes. He, uh, no, I'm talking about the badass, Stephen S. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I was over at his place not even that long ago, and, and he's got like fucking uh, nice and wild cranked up in his garage. And I'm thinking, what the fuck's going on what's, here? What's with the little Susie? And, 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 and <laughs> how, how did you find a device to play that? <laughs> what? <laughs> right, yeah. Nothing wrong with little Susie no. or nice and wild. And freestyle's great. It's just, it shocks me that in a sea of, of different options for things you could listen to, you choose to constantly go back to that stuff that you know that's literally 35 years old. Well, it, it was so funny. There, so this is going back like a year and a half ago. And, and I had, at the time, she was nine years old, sitting in my car. And music was playing. And I think it was like, I don't know, the next episode came on or something like that. And it, an edited version, mind you, was on the radio. Uh, and the comment was, can you put on some like real rap? <gasps> what the oh, fuck? And I, I was like, oh, I'm offended. Right? And I said, pardon me? And, and, what did you just say? And, and I said, like, like what? You know, like Cardi B. And oh, I, and I, and real I like, rap. I see what she means. How yes. dare oh. you? Wow. Right. So, and I felt like I, I'm, you know, I'm now scrambling, like thinking, like uh, I got to play Run DMC. I got to play uh, like all these other things that, that that's going to make this kid go. That's okay. Yeah, there you I go. There's it. a great example, yeah. right? That's t- that's easier said than done, though. Oh right? my gosh, because because yeah. you put on you put on like it's tricky by Run DMC, and great she's song. she's it's- a fantastic song, but she's looking at me like. What is this it's trash? It's lame, right? It's yeah, lame. this is corny. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm like, no, <laughs> you're hurting my feelings when you do that because mm-hmm. we take such an emotional connection to the music that we love and it's yes. all about the definition of who we were when we loved it for the first time. Mm-hmm. I think one of the only groups that has truly successfully been able to take their old audience and bring them along through the new journey as they evolved was Bon Jovi. And even that was short-lived because they released It's My Life and it sounded like their old shit. And people that were their previous fans back in the 80s and early 90s actually liked the new shit only because it sounded like the old shit. Well, unless you're a hardcore Bon Jovi fan, you are sitting on your hands at the concert until they play Bad Medicine, medicine, something like that. You you don't want to hear the new stuff. Most people don't. Yeah, most people don't. And that's the thing. So... Unless you're a super fan of that particular group, you're waiting for the nostalgia of a group Mm -hmm. like Bon Jovi. When you go see Kiss, you're not there to go hear new music from Kiss. You're there to watch Kiss play the hits. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's what it is for you. And music's different to every person. Music means something different to every person. And and why you go to a show is different for every person. And I think we're just too close-minded. We're just too – one of my favorite shows I've ever seen live was uh, Bruno Mars. Wow. And then – 
incredible show. Like just the energy that he brings to the stage. And it, and it wasn't an overly complicated production. He's got his group that, that he performs with and, and they're dancing, they're singing, they're having fun, they're playing instruments. But holy crap, by the end of that show, you're like, I am shaking by how much fun I had. I had a blast going to see Prince and I was not a huge fan of Prince. Seeing Prince, I'm just like, oh, fuck holy me. crap. I remember that night. Right? Yeah. Scott I was, was there, there with you. Scott wanted to leave early. And I'm like, we're not having the same <laughs> of experience. Of course he did. Yeah. Scott yeah. always wants to leave early. That's, that's true. It doesn't matter who. Which group would you stay right to the very end for? Uh, that's a good question. I think I'd stay for a whole Pearl Jam show. Saw Pearl Jam, uh, and they well, no, I don't think you would because they performed for like three hours. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> Scott's you gonna, stayed for Scott's all of Garth hear. Brooks, though, right? I did stay for all of Garth Brooks. That was a fantastic show. He's the king. Yeah. So, so good. Uh, By the way, Pearl Jam is the other group on this list of the most hated rock bands. Wow. Um, Okay. Quickly here. Ted Cruz is a fucking idiot. (laughs) Yep. You're not wrong. You don't need to be uh, a Republican, Democrat, a conservative, a liberal, a new Democrat. You don't have to be any uh, party affiliate to realize what he did while his state was battling this epic cold spell terrible weather rolling blackouts people are fucking dying people's fish tanks are freezing in their living rooms he jetted off to mexico with his family went to have a little can cruise coon vacation mm-hmm. cancun cruise vacation such horse shit like i can't like why would you think it's a good idea why would you think that like he said part of part of what he said and he's changed his story a couple of times by the way but part of part of one of his quotes is that he on the plane, realized maybe it wasn't a good idea. Uh, didn't feel right, and so I, I changed my return flight and, and, and flew back uh, on the first available flight I could take. I couldn't take a morning flight because uh, the current restrictions require a COVID test, so I had to get a COVID test this morning before I could get on a flight back, so I took the first flight I could get a- after getting the COVID test and, and testing negative. Seriously, are you that fucking dumb? It, you had to go through the airport, go through all of that, then yeah. you sit down on the plane and go, Maybe I should have stayed back while my state is in crisis. Terrible mistake. Like, what are you (laughs) doing? No shit. And no, who goes to drop off their ten and twelve year olds to Mexico? Like, that's not a normal thing either. That was horseshit. That was that was a that was coming back to be like, well, uh, listen, I I had some thoughts, Uh, and and what I laughed at was that he blamed his kids. (laughs) <laughs> he's basically he, he did he's yeah. like well they were really complaining a lot about being cold so I, daddy can we go to cancun yeah he played the I, I just try to be a good parent card like 50 times <laughs> like you gotta no 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 come on you are in charge of the state that's in it like there's people dying like scott well, said the fish tanks freezing in houses right now the like, best part is the uh is the receipts mm-hmm. of all the times that he stood in front of a camera and we need to be on the floor. We need to be working in the Senate. It doesn't matter. We need to be working weekends. We need to be working nights until we get the people what they need. And blah, 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 blah. And Democrats are this. And mm-hmm. Obama's playing pool. And la, 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 la. And it's like, dude, it, <laughs> look, if that's what you believe, then cool, no problem. But you really look like a jackass when yeah. you go against exactly what you've been saying all along. I don't care what your political affiliation is. If you're a hypocrite, you lose me. Yeah. Texas is on the fucking Gulf of Mexico. You can see Mexico from Texas. I don't understand why he needed to fly to fucking Cancun. What what was he thinking? Oh, it was so for his stupid. daughters. It was for his daughters, okay? Oh, yeah, Everybody sure can just let it go. It was for his daughters. Well, and you'll get you'll get a lot of uh, political pundits now. It's the spin, right? It's the spin both ways, and you're getting it now on this side where they're going, well, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, what is he going to do? Is he going to go warm people up with his bare hands? Yeah, he's going to go check on people. He is an elected leader. That's part of the job, the job is, to is to be there yeah. through the thick and the thin be on the like, ground. of that you, place, where at whatever you're governing. Like, that is the job. It's, he should be phoning everybody he can until he finds somebody who says, yes, I could use your help, and then go and fucking do it. That's a part of the reason we elect people to be leaders, not just to vote on shit, but to be leaders. I did see this on Twitter this morning, and I don't I, – I, I, I'm going to say it, but I don't know that it's verified. Um, somebody shared a letter saying that they got a uh, fundraising letter from Ted Cruz's people. Uh, he's, they're on a mailing list. And they spun this into, 
the liberal media is uh, crazy with their cancel culture, and we need oh, you we to go. donate this so we can cancel culture. so we can fight the good fight. And and, and this uh, is common sense, man. This so is just again, common sense. I don't know the source of it. I, I don't. I don't want to just say that this is the fact, right. but that's what somebody shared, and I was like, if this is legit. This is this is like the spin of all spins. <laughs> How did you turn this into a fundraising opportunity? What? How did you do that? And you know what? Some morons will fucking click and donate. That's right. Probably He's already right. has several thousand dollars well, in it if it's a thing. You say the buzzwords and you get people going. Yeah. Cancel Listen. culture. Democrats. Yeah, I'm against that. Ah, Fuck your radical some money. left liberals. <laughs> It's uh, it's party affiliation in a lot of cases, and there's some people who will defend their boy or girl no matter what. There are there are liberals listening right now that know what Justin Trudeau did in all of the various scandals was wrong. They know it's wrong. They would never do it themselves, but they will defend it because they like Justin Trudeau yeah. or because they identify as a liberal. There are people out there that think what Ted Cruz did was perfectly acceptable or sorry, they don't think it was acceptable at all, but they'll pretend they do think it's okay and come up with excuses for it because they don't want to see their boy in trouble. It, it happens way too often. Nobody can be objective anymore and just say, that's right, that's wrong, I agree with this, I don't agree with that. Uh, last but certainly not least, it's remarkable that I didn't go off in this one because I really wanted to talk about the justice reforms that uh, have been proposed here in Canada. They're going to remove mandatory minimum penalties for drug offenses and gun-related crimes. The government says the penalties don't make the streets safer and unfairly affect indigenous and black offenders. I watched that farce of a news conference yesterday, and the example they gave is, oh, well, I mean, take, for example, you get a guy in uh, Alberta, and he's out drinking with his buddies, and they pull out some guns, and they say, hey, go ahead, shoot the gun at that building over there. Should he really get a minimum four-year sentence? Yeah, you can't fuck around with guns. You could hurt somebody. You could hurt yourself. You don't fuck around with guns. They're... Um, <laughs> How do you really feel, though? Oh, you know what? It's crazy to me. They say we want to give more um, – we want to require judges and crown attorneys to seriously consider alternatives such as house arrest or counseling if they don't pose a threat to public safety. Okay. You know, listen, I, I think we can all look at some crimes that get committed and say, eh, Maybe they they're, – they're not a danger to society. Maybe just some house arrest or we get them the help they need. That would help. Sure, that's applicable in some cases. But there's certain things we can't compromise on. I'm sorry, but if you were dealing fucking fentanyl to kids, you should probably go to jail. And the law should require if you do this, you will go to jail for at least a year, at least two years. Most people feel like our punishments are not harsh enough. Just this week. The liberals went on a big campaign about how dangerous guns are and how we're going to make the streets safer and get tough on these guns. And then they take away the <laughs> they took away the mandatory minimum sentences in the same fucking week. It makes no sense to me at all. None whatsoever. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's something to be said about the rehabilitation programs that are necessary for people who have fallen into uh, bad places because of drugs the th- as a user um, but somebody who's who's selling it somebody who's on the street and is and is contributing to the problem that's a criminal offense to me yeah but when somebody is a user of a drug to me that's not as criminal so there, I think there is a distinction there is a difference between the two um, and you know a person does need help um, whether they accept it or not it, incarceration isn't necessarily helping. A, a user, for example, uh, but again, somebody who's on the street, who's taking advantage of people. Yeah, absolutely. They deserve to be uh, tried by the law. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. somebody who is a user who is in a bad place, they need help. And, yeah, I t- you know, totally I, I, agree with you. And I think that the, each case is a, it needs to be examined and not just a, under, you know, one, you know, one solid line of penalty for, oh, if it's drug related, they get this. Well, I think a drug user and a drug, uh, you know, distributor, it's very different. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you know what? Thank you for having just an ounce of common sense, Dave, because it seems like there is none in Ottawa. If they want to take away the mandatory minimums and put all the power in the judge's hands, I think every single Canadian has been disappointed, probably recently, at a decision that a judge has made because there's no justice and nobody seems to take into account the victims of crime. Nobody takes into account how the family that had lost a loved one feels because that person was reckless with a gun. It's all about their rights. 
Well, you know what? Maybe we should start taking into account how actual victims of crime feel. Maybe we should start asking them what they think. I know that we do take it into consideration in some cases, but not all. And you know what? Fine. Maybe we don't take – here's the alternative. Maybe we don't take away those mandatory minimums, but we just sort of refine what the minimums are. If yeah. there's people who are in jail because uh, they fired a gun at that abandoned building and we as a society agree, OK, that wasn't a very good thing to do, but you shouldn't do four years in jail for it. OK, we can talk about in that specific example or maybe just tweak the existing law. I'm sorry, though, if you're some fucking gangbanger that's running around the streets shooting at a car across the street and you uh, you happen to shoot somebody in the leg, there should be a minimum punishment that you have to go to jail for for that. Yeah, and I think that the the argument that you'll get back for that, um, and I'm not saying that I agree with this argument, but I know what, what it'll be. The argument you'll receive is, well, what if that person fell into that life of crime not on their own? Or, you know, they, they, had to, they had to go that route, and well, they need rehabilitation as well. That's the argument you'll hear back for that. Okay, listen, there's a lot of people who had choices in life, and some people made the right choice, and some people made the wrong choice. I'm sorry, but crime is crime is crime. And if you commit a crime that we have all deemed to be uh, particularly egregious, then you should go to be punished for that crime. Can we rehabilitate you at the same time? Absolutely. Maybe we should invest more into rehabilitation. I don't know. But either way, we take you out of a peaceful society when you can't act peacefully in it. That's just the whole point of jail. It goes back centuries. That's why we do that. So I think this is very misguided, but I'm curious to see what they come up with. Uh, The thought that somebody could be out there selling fentanyl that eventually leads to someone's demise and they get house arrest for it. No, that's wrong. It, it's wrong. It's got to be it's wrong. wrong. It's, we all have to agree that that's yeah. wrong. You know, if you sold a gun to somebody illegally and they committed a very serious crime or heaven forbid killed somebody with that gun. Yeah. You know what? We should just it should just generally be known. If you are caught illegally dealing firearms, you'll go to jail for at least two years of your life. We already know what all the punishments are because there is a mandatory minimum for impaired driving and for all the other highway traffic act offenses that are out there why can't we have them for gun crimes and drugs i don't understand where they're going with this it it makes no sense at all we could have tweaked what we had we can go back and have a conversation about it but just to unilaterally do this for a hundred percent political reasons by the way this is silly i hope that this doesn't pass actually you know what it probably won't pass before we have an election in june but it's coming all right anything else that was, a, that was a pretty full episode. That I think. was. That was, uh, that was a long one, but hopefully if you made it to the end, it means you liked it, and we thank you for it. Yeah, have a great weekend, guys. Uh, be safe, and we will chat on Monday for another edition of After 9. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. (laughs) And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.